Well, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Now listen, the cruise is just about to start, but let me fill you in on a few details if you've never been here before. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ, and it's our continuing prayer that we help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Now, you might be wondering why it's called Biblical Chili. You see, around this table, we have people from all walks of life, different histories, backgrounds, different futures, even different religious views. But even with all these differences, that shouldn't hinder us from carrying on a conversation. And you stepped in at a good time, too, because the Chili Crew is walking through the Bible from cover to cover. And right now, they're in the book of Exodus. Moses talking to a burning bush, plagues, Exodus out of slavery, and the Ten Commandments. Woo! This gives me the collie wobbles just thinking about it. All right, we're picking up where we left off in Exodus. Uh, we're now starting with chapter 17. Israel has crossed the Red Sea. They're now into the, the quote-unquote wilderness, we'll call it. They're headed to Mount Sinai. They're not quite there yet, but a couple of things are going to happen before then. Uh, they've already complained to Moses about food. Quail apparently is now... It's on the menu. Right, quail is on the menu. The manna, which, do, do you remember what manna means? Manna means, what is this? What? <laughs> That's what it means. It means, what is this? Because when they picked it up, they said, what is this? So they just kept calling it, what is this, apparently. That's hilarious. Yeah, I know, right? Like, <laughs> what are you having this morning? What is this? They're given the manna, by the way, six days a week, or the second to last day of the week. They have to actually get two portions because the seventh day of the week is the Sabbath rest. And so God tells them, okay, listen, I'm not going to give you any food on that seventh day. This is Exodus chapter 17. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim, Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? What do you tempt or why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, why is it you have brought us out to e out from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Mesa. Am I saying that right? Massa? M-A-S-S-A-H? Yeah, Massa? I think so. <laughs> Massa and Meribah. 
Because the congregation of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Now this this is this is something strange that I I didn't pick up before because it actually said, "I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb." So is this like another Christophany where where like Christ was like standing on the rock before he he struck the rock and water came out? I mean, am I reading that right? This is what it sounds like. He said, "I will stand before you on the rock." This is kind of a crazy story like okay go and hit this rock and water will come out right why did he say that water why did he bring them somewhere where there was no water he's obviously trying to prove a point he's showing them things he's teaching them things that's why they're in the wilderness in the first place paul later in corinthians says for i do not want you to be unaware what verse is this? oh just right at the beginning okay so first one okay yeah 10, chapter 10, verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they... So like when he's saying they all drank the same spiritual food and the same spiritual drink, he's saying as us. (laughs) You know, he's like saying that our fathers all these things that they were doing all that the spiritual aspect of it is the same thing that we're partaking in when we're getting baptized and we're like right so that's kind of what he's getting at they all drank the same spiritual drink for they were drinking from a spiritual walk which followed them and that rock was christ so when we kind of partake in christ it was the same thing that what they're doing so so God was creating a pattern. He was creating, he was trying to give meaning to what that stuff meant so that when Christ came, people understood what was going on there. It goes on, it says, Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now, these things happened as examples for us, so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and sit up to play. Nor let us act immorally, as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us test the Lord, as some of them did, and were destroyed destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction, upon whom the end of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. They happen to teach a lesson, and they are very important lessons for us. Now, you know, it's not like this is just a story of history of what happened. These happened as lessons for us so that we don't make the same mistakes that those people did, right? We're supposed to learn from them. Right. You know, everything that happened in the wilderness from them crossing through the Red Sea, following the cloud, which was the spirit of God, right? They were fought, they were all under the cloud. Yep. And they ate the spiritual food, which is the manna, and they drank from the spiritual drink, which was the water. And, and they had to eat the rock once for water to come out, like all of that is stuff that we also have to do and we have to go through in our walk through the wilderness. The experience of Israel is in direct correlation with the, with the life of that Christ lived, although the ending result was, you know, Christ didn't fail. If you know, if you, if you're going to say it that way, like they, Christ didn't fail the whole thing. You know, Christ actually fulfilled the whole thing. So I, I love this because 
when it comes to this rock and when it comes to water and when it comes to bread and when it comes to the, you know, the water not the water that they drank, but the water that they went through, that's like baptism and the water is, you know, sustains life. And, and I, I love these type of comparisons because it's, it's something that I, I hope as Christians, we keep these type of things in the forefront of our mind when, when we're looking at Christ's life. This is something that we actually did not talk about much, and I wish we would have. Uh, when it came to the the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of, uh, I'm sorry, the the cloud by day, those two those two items, like the the pillar of fire and the cloud by day, those two items had a purpose. The fire was to keep the entire nation warm because they were in the desert. And the cloud by day was to keep them cool because that desert, I don't know the way it was back then, you know, 25, 2600 years ago, but I know now that desert gets well over 130 degrees and it is like bone dry. So, I mean, just breathing, you just lose moisture. I mean, you can get scorched pretty quick and they did not have sunblock. So <laughs> I, I just, I, I'm pointing this out because I, I don't think we, we really emphasized the pillar and the the cloud was not just another miracle. Oh wow, yeah, this thing followed them around or led them through. No, this we're not talking about a pillar following a, a physical pillar up and down that they just kind of like looked at at night. No, we're talking about a pillar that physically kept them warm. We're talking about a cloud that physically kept them cool during the day. God was caring for them in in both of their needs when it came to that some, something as simple as that. Just like how everyone has to pass through the water, right? And and only what's good and what's protected is going to come out and all the bad stuff should be destroyed. You, you know, you're going to pass through the wilderness and all those who weren't up to the task, you know, they perished, right? They couldn't make it. Like even with um, Daniel in the lion's den, you know, like he went into the lion's den and he wasn't injured. Shadrach... Miss Reak and Abednego. <laughs> Shadrach, uh, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, yeah, we have a running joke around here. We just say their names like really weird. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, wait. They... Okay, quiz time. What What are their real names? Oh, I just learned that those weren't their real names. But I don't know. <laughs> okay, so those who don't know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are actually the names of gods. That when they were abducted out of Israel, they actually were given just like Daniel. Daniel is not his name, right? In 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 that country, they gave him a new name. Daniel is his Hebrew name. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are actually Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. All of them had had yeah, sorry, Jewish names. Anyway, sorry. So you're 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 talking about uh, Daniel in the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in in the fiery furnace, right? So like they. They went into the fiery furnace and their guards perished and their their uh, binds on their hands, you know, yeah. perished, but they were protected. You know, so it's like we see that same kind of story over and over again where you're going to pass through these refining moments in your life. <laughs> and, you know, you're all the goal is that all the bad stuff passes away and the good stuff keeps going. You know what's interesting about that too is uh, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that because we can also do a direct comparison to the plagues. 
there were only a few plagues that we learned about. There, I think there, it was like the first two or three that actually affected Israel, but all the rest of them, Goshen was not touched by those plagues. And if you do a, a, a short study, my, my church is actually going to be doing a study about uh, prophecy. So one of the things they're going to be studying is the plagues in the end of days. It's very interesting when you read about the plagues at the end of days, it's the same thing. Those who have the mark of the beast are affected by all the plagues. Those who have the mark of God are not affected by the plagues. So like God was 100% protecting them through the whole ordeal, through the whole thing. Right. Okay. This is kind of, I love this. So like there's this quote and it says, once a believer asked the angel of the gate, is it true that hell is the road through which both believers and unbelievers pass? For on my way here, I saw neither smoke nor fire. The road you passed was hell indeed, the angel smiled. But since you have overcome, to you it appears as a garden. Having planted the seeds of devotion, you transform the fire of anger into compassion and ignorance into wisdom. The thorns of envy have turned into roses, so now your fiery soul has become a rose garden where nightingales sing praises to God. <laughs> I- it's, it's the difference between God being able to take what is there and in, in turning it into something wonderful. All right, so Exodus 17, verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said, as Moses said to him, and fought with Amalek, and Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill, and so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he put down his land hand or let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Verse twelve But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it up under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write down for this memorial in the book of recount, I'm sorry, in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Could you, could you imagine holding your arms up? 12 14 hours yeah well i've had a baby before so i can (laughs) (laughs) touche touche they're doing something really incredibly exhausting and hard that just keeps going for hours and hours yeah like okay so one of the things that i want to point out is they were testing the lord saying is the lord among us or not right so they were kind of testing him and challenging him and they were disgruntled and they were complaining they were not unified when that happens, that's when the enemy, which is Amalek, 
could attack them because they were fighting amongst themselves. They were fighting amongst themselves. Yeah. And they were not in unity and they were against God and they weren't with God. And like, they make the point to say when their hands are down, you know, when they're not working together, the enemy comes back in and is winning. But as soon as you have all those pieces working together, that's when the enemy's defeated. And he says, you know, I'm promising you that one day Amalek will be completely blotted out. That kind of is, again, representative of us fighting sin. Like, we still fight sin daily, but one day it's going to be blotted out completely. Right. But God's going to have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Lord will have more. Yeah. Yeah. And God will. It's it's just interesting, though, that God, God sent Israel through the Red Sea for many reasons. But one of the reasons it said a couple of chapters ago when he went through the Red Sea was I did not want Israel to go to the war with the Philistines because leaving Egypt, many of them would have returned because they were not ready to see war. Are they ready to see war now that now that Egypt was destroyed? It, did now that they saw Egypt destroyed, was that enough to give them the confidence to say, okay, you know what, God's with us. Let's let's get some swords, get some pitchforks, get whatever weapons, sharpened stick or whatever we got to to fight these Amaleks. Were the Philistines the like armies that went after them? No, the Philistines were the were in the north. So yeah, this was in like chapter fourteen, I believe. It says, now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. For God said the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Right. And so that's maybe there was war going on already. Well, or... the Philistines wouldn't have let them go through. That's the, the bottom line. Let's say you take an alcoholic and you put them in a room with a with a liquor bottle and you're like, don't drink that. They're <laughs> going to drink it because they haven't. They haven't made that decision to to stop. To cut, you know? Yeah, okay. So it's like they had to go through the baptism and they had to go through a couple tests first to be ready so that when you put them in that in that situation, you put them in that room with that liquor bottle and said, don't drink this, that it's they no were more equipped to, to fight that. Right. No, I mean, maybe you're right. I think... I don't know this, this all of what we're talking about is is hinging on the fact that God cut Israel off from Egypt. So it, it it's almost as though God God knew what he had to do and once God cut them completely off from Egypt, even though they're complaining about going back to Egypt anyway, you know, they're still talking about this like all even after this, I think they bring it up two or three more times until after the whole 10 commandment destruction, you know, uh golden calf thing. After that's all over with, now and then they stop talking about going back to Egypt. Like they, they, they kind of like let it go. Okay, we're done. There are people who were an alcoholic and they overcame that sin and they never went back to it. So if you can do that, why can't you do that to the next sin and the next? Not that you're never going to be tempted by something else. Like we all have to face all these trials to be re refined. But if one person could, could be you know, an addict or they could have been committing adultery in their marriage and they stopped and never went back, then you can absolutely do that for every challenge that comes. You will be tempted. But it says in Corinthians, again, you know, God's never going to tempt you to the point where there's not a way out. 
So yes, you might sin and you are going to, yeah, you're going to sin. You're going to mess up and you're going to be tempted, but you can overcome and you can never go back to that house again. I think it's honestly that fear of leaving something that has been your, and, and once again, though, this is a very huge thing in today's society. It's, it's identity, you know, um, uh, smoking cigarettes is my identity. So if I quit smoking cigarettes, I, I don't smoke, but my point is if I quit smoking cigarettes, then somehow I've lost a part of who I am. That's not the case. God does not call you out of something and into nothing. He always calls you out of something and into something better. Always. Right. right. And it's, it's always that God always has that. And it, like what you just said, God always gives you a way out or God gives you another door. Like there is something more beyond this, this, you know, either I'm surrendering this part of me or I'm going into something, I'm making this a part, you know, it may not be some getting rid of something bad. Sometimes it's just going into something good. You know, you know what I mean? Like that, that it's that fear of not knowing. Right. Well, honestly, in like this chapter in Exodus, you know, this lays this out that this is a battle, you know, yeah. But like this battle they won and they're never going to have to fight that battle again. And then there's going to be another battle. And if they have God on their side, they're going to win. <laughs> like, and then there's, the, you know, you see the battles where they forsake God and they lose. And then if they go back to God, they're going to fight that battle. And they're going to win again. And, and I think in Christianity today, we only teach defensive tactics kind of almost like if this is a battle like we just say stay in your house and sin is going to come and knock in and come and knock in and when it knocks you know you have to try to resist it but it's just going to keep knocking and it, it's like it's like the saying you're always going to lose you're always going to be challenged instead of being like you're going to go out and you're going to you're going to fight sin head on you're going to be offensive and you're going to win if you have god on your side I, I like to, when I, when I get those, you know, terrible, whatever the temptation is, you know, just negative thoughts, we'll put it that way, bad, bad thoughts, evil thoughts, whatever. Whenever I get those that are just quote unquote knocking at the door, I literally say, Jesus answered the door. Yeah, I literally right? say that. I know it sounds crazy. It sounds dumb, but I say it. And guess what? I, I, I am, I am placing myself. I'm, I'm saying, Jesus, I'm with you. You need to answer the door. I, my own strength cannot do this. And that's what it takes. And, well, and that's what Moses said. He said, tomorrow, I'm going to go station myself on top of the hill yep. with the staff of God in my hand. I'm going to raise the staff up. And, you know, so it's like they they put God in front of them. <laughs> and they won. They won. Right. So that's how you can win and you can overcome. And it should be encouraging. And that's interesting because they did. They had to have he had to have that staff raised up. So that, like you said, it God had to be on top or in front or, or there. If you're trying to quit smoking and you're like, well, I'm going to mess up and have a cigarette, then you're going to be way more likely to just give in and mess up and have a cigarette if you already have in your mind that it's going to happen. But if you're putting God before you and you said, God can do all things and he says that we're going to defeat the flesh and defeat sin and that I can go and put him in front of me now and overcome this now, then like you're going to be way less likely to pick up that cigarette. It's like when you're on a diet 
and you say, I'm not going to eat cake for 30 days. And then the first day you eat cake, some people will be like, oh, I already messed up. I might as well just eat cake the rest of the time. Right. <laughs> Instead of just being like, no, I'm still not going to eat cake ever. <laughs> That you have, you have uh, the example of smoking. I, I have two stories about smoking. Once again, I've, I've never smoked before, but I know stories of people who have had issues smoking. One person, it's it's actually you can got you can go and listen to the guy's testimony. You can find him on YouTube. He's uh, Bible Flockbox, great ministry. Bible Flockbox on YouTube. His ministry, or I'm sorry, his testimony was that one of the things when he came to Christ, you know, he's he was trying to quit smoking. He actually got to the point where every time that he felt convicted or was convicted or, or, or was like, oh, I really shouldn't be smoking, right? He would throw away the entire pack. He said he said it only took him like maybe five or six packs because they're like they're like some of those packs, some of those smokes are like eight or nine bucks and he's like i after i wasted like a hundred dollars in smokes he's like i just i I didn't it hit it dawned on me this it, like in his own heart in his own mind he's like this is dumb and he got the victory and it was like boom it was like that light went off and the second story is a woman and this is just that victory that victory that you're talking about that, that christ already has for us we just got to grasp onto it she was told by by her pastor she's her pastor said, well, you know what? How about every time you you smoke a cigarette, you thank God for the victory? And this isn't like a name it or claim it type of thing. It was just in her own heart. She's, every time she smoked a cigarette and, and she knew she shouldn't, she would say it. So she even got to the point where she couldn't finish a cigarette. And then she got to the point where, you know, she couldn't even, like she would light it and take one hit and then go, she would say the same phrase every time. She would say the same phrase. Jesus, thank you for this victory over smoking because I know you can do it. It just, she got, like I said, she, it got to the point where she would finish most of the cigarette and then only half of a cigarette. And then it was barely, she would barely light up and barely take a hit and be like, Jesus, thank you for the victory. The, mo- the moment she would do it and then just, it would just, and eventually it just, it, that, it was that victory that, that came in because she trusted the Lord and that just... It, addiction and those stories over addiction are just powerful to me because human beings are, without going on a, on a huge rabbit trail with this, human beings, we're designed to be addicted. But the thing is, is God wanted us addicted to the right things. He wanted us addicted to him. He wanted us addicted to, to people and to love and, and these type of things. But instead, we have taken these these other things, social media, substances, people in a negative way so it could be you know like adulterous relationships whatever and we've filled up this addictive nature that god's given us because god wants us to experience goodness in our life but we're filling the goodness with badness and we think it's goodness and it just it becomes addictive and it the power that god has after we have submitted to him and 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 taken those steps of repentance and and try just taking that first step out he is he gives us that next step and that next step, and that next step. But the fact still remains is we still have to walk forward, <laughs> whether we see that next step or not, you know? Right. Well, yeah, and my my sister, I know she would 
be happy with me sharing this because when this happened to her, she wrote it down and wanted to like read it to everyone she knew. She was addicted to smoking for years and years and years. She always tried to quit. She always tried to do everything. And then it's like she she had this conversation with God where she was like, why can't I quit? You know, like, why can I not do this? I know it's not pleasing to you. I don't want to. And then she she like looked at her list kind of of why she wanted to quit. She was like, well, you know, she realized she hated the smell of it. You know, she didn't like spending the money on it. And the fact that it was not super pleasing to God was like kind of actually lower on the list, right? She was like, you know, <laughs> all these things that I hate about it and I want to quit and I'm trying to quit because it's stinky and I, I'm self-conscious and I have to brush my teeth all the time and, and I have to spend all this money on it. And, and, you know, I have to go outside in the middle of eating at a restaurant because I can't get through the whole time of like being with friends, you know, and then she realized, oh, and God doesn't like it. But she was like, oh my goodness, that's what God showed her was that the fact that it was displeasing to him should be number one on the list. And as soon as she realized that, she said, oh my goodness, you know, I, that's all that should matter. Take this away from me. And this was all like basically a conversation she had in the car. And then she's <laughs> never smoked since then. <laughs> like it was an instantaneous, she did not have that anymore. Oh, praise God. That That is just. Yeah. So it's like God needs to be first. And he then does. He and, all that stuff. and then you can overcome. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not just some things right. or, you know. Yeah. So like we're going out into battle and you will win. You will win yeah. over and over again when you put God yeah. first. There, there are two different. I've, I've been told there are two different faith systems. There are do's and dones. And most basically every other faith system is I have to do something and, but God's faith system is my son's already done it. He's already done it. You just got to take it. Like it's there. It's it, the victory is there. No, that's, that's, that's an awesome story. <laughs> well, that's like, there's the, there's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then there's the tree of life. Right. So we need to just, who cares about the tree of knowledge of good and evil? We need to partake of the tree of life. Right. Which is, and, and that means, in a way, because you do that, that you will only do good. <laughs> but you don't need you don't need the the lists and the you know all the things because you are going to then be partaking of the tree of life. So you will be, you know, so much closer to God, and you'll be, you know, doing the things and all the things. But not because you're like, oh, this is good and this is bad and this is right and this is wrong. You're you're freed from from that and that stress, like. Instead, you're partaking of the tree of life, you know? Where... It's, that, it's that question of, like you're, like with your sister, that love. Well, shouldn't God have been the first thing on that list? Like, if I really, if I truly loved him, if I truly wanted that engagement with him, wouldn't I have put him up there at first? Wait a minute. In a, in a, yeah. Oh, oh, that's good. That's good. Man, I need to invite you over for to, to preach to my church, man. <laughs> Yay. honestly i feel like this is a message that like god is just like put into our lives so much and i hear it yeah. all the time like every time anyone says anything about sin or how we live like oh but it's so defeatist and it's so negative and i'm like you're preaching the good news the good news <laughs> good news what you're saying right now is not good news you're saying bad news you're saying that you're going to be that dog returning to their vomit over and over again that's not us anymore right you're, right. you're supposed to be freed from right. that like so like 
I don't know. Why don't we talk about this more? I, 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 I feel yeah. like we just did. We did. <laughs> we did. Cool. Okay, good. All right, well, can you end us in a word of prayer? Yeah, yeah. Abba Father, thank you so much for this opportunity where we can just go through your word and we can um, have these discussions and, and be able to to be a positive light and just try to show your love and your intentions to to all the people listening. Um, I just pray that you continue to guide us as we can go through Exodus and, and hopefully the entire rest of the Bible. Just, we just praise you. You are so wonderful. You are so good. We love you so much. Amen. Well, this has been Justin. This is Susanna. Just the two of us today. So, uh, what was that? What was that going to be our closing? <laughs> Man, I keep forgetting. No, you guys had a couple of good ones last time. Now listen, just because this is the end of the episode doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. You can find Biblical Chili on almost any social media outlet. And if you're not a big fan of YouTube, just search for Biblical Chili anywhere and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Or just go to BiblicalChili.com. We also want to make sure we give a shout out to one of our co-hosts, Joe, who's a host on BuddyWalkWithJesus.com. Now until we meet again, remember, be part of the conversation. Goodbye. Oh, here's one. Uh, may your joy be made full. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, guys, and may your joy be made full. <laughs> you think they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most will probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few. We love you. <laughs>